Good morning. Welcome to Zion on this sixth Sunday after Epiphany. A few things to share with you this morning before we begin our worship. Uh, first, I'm going to pass around a clipboard with a sign-up sheet. Uh, so we are interested again in doing the Lenten soup suppers before our midweek services. However, we just kind of want to get an informal number of who would attend, who would be interested, and who also might be interested in preparing soups for that night. Uh, and so if you sign up, you're not committing to anything today. Um, we just want to get a number to see, you know, if we're going to be able to do it. So if you're interested in attending a soup supper before midweek services in Lent, please put your name down so that we have an idea. Uh, other, other things to keep in mind, next Sunday the 20th, we will have a game night here at the church in the Fellowship Hall at 6.30, so you're invited. Bring a board game to share, bring cards, uh, bring a snack to share, or just come and, and fellowship with us and hang out with us that night. Uh, a reminder again, we will continue Bible study on Thursday on Galatians. If you haven't been to a session yet, you're still... Welcome to come. You won't miss anything, and uh, you'll jump right in. So Thursday night's Bible study. Uh, you'll see in the bulletin as well, we need a communion assistant for March. So if you're able to help in March as a communion assistant, please let Rose know so we can get that squared away. A prayer request today. Uh, please keep Donald Latvala Bucko in your prayers. He has entered hospice care. Um, at the springs and so pray for him in these coming days that he would be at peace to be comfortable and without pain and also prayed for Steve as he accompanies him in this journey and, and and all that goes with that are there other prayer requests other announcements for the congregation yeah Rose um, if you signed up to be on the prayer chain your new list is in your mailbox please use that list not the old list, because that just messes everything up. So I'd appreciate that. If you have any questions, you can ask me. Yep. So if you signed up for prayer chain, you have a new list in your box, please use that list. Well, if there are no other announcements, I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your hearts and minds as we prepare to worship and listen to the prelude.
congregation. I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to God's people on earth. 
pray. Living God, in Christ you make all things new. Transform the poverty of our nature by the riches of your grace, and in the renewal of our lives make known your glory. Through Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. A reading from Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make their flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart to give to all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. The word of the Lord. We will read responsively Psalm 1. Happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor lingered in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seats of the scornful. They are like trees planted by streams of water bearing fruit in their season, with leaves that do not wither. Everything they do shall prosper. It is Therefore, the wicked shall not stand upright when judgment comes, nor the sinner in the counsel of the righteous. A reading from 1 Corinthians. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ. Whom he did not raise, if it is true, that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ 
has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. But then also, but those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated, and children, I invite you to come forward. All right, so I know it's kind of snowy out, and this is probably not on our mind, but what do I got here? A watering can, right? What do you use a watering can for? Watering plants. Watering plants, that's simple, right? What happens? Let's say you've got some nice flowers, you know, they're in a pot on your porch, on your back step, something like that. What happens when you forget to water the plants? They'll die. They'll wither up and die, right? They have to have water. And what I've been thinking about this week, and what's really amazing to me, plants can't get their own water, really, can they? They can't make their own water, right? Like this watering can, if you plant flowers yourselves, you've got to water them or they'll die, right? Or if a plant's growing like grass out in your yard, It has to rain, it has to receive the water, right? It's always receiving the water. It does nothing, it can't make the water come. It can't go out and walk and get the water. Can't go to the store and buy a bottle of water, right? It has to receive it from us, from the sky, from the stream. It's receiving that water, it's receiving life. Well, throughout the Bible, the Bible compares Christians and those who believe in God 
to trees who are planted next to water, right? And so do you think a tree that's planted next to the water, it's probably a happy tree, right? Yeah. Yeah, because it always has water right next to it, right? Yeah, so even in the summer when it's really dry and hot, that tree still has water. Yeah, that happens too, right? They get so close to the water that the soil goes away and you can see the roots. Sure, that happens. Yeah, but those, wa but those trees next to the water, they always have that source. Right, and so the Bible says Christians are kind of like those trees next to the water. Right, because Christians always have a connection to the source of life. Just like plants need water, the Bible says we need God. We need the gifts of God, right? And so we, like plants, receive those gifts. We can't go get them. We can't earn them. We can't buy them. We can't make them for ourselves. Like water, we only receive them, right? And so we want to have kind of this confidence to know that God is watering us like plants, like flowers, like trees, God gives us water, not just water, but he gives us all of his good gifts, right? He's not going to forget about us, right? He's always going to water us. And he gives us his gifts through the Bible, through church, through other Christians who we worship with, through the sacraments of baptism and Holy Communion, all of these ways. He gives us his gifts. He gives us life, right? So... God waters us through his word. All right, let's pray. Lord, you are our source of life. And you give us good gifts. Teach us to receive them. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, what does it look like to flourish in this world? That question has been the heart of just about every religion, every philosophy of the last 4,000 years. Right? Where does true contentment come from? Where can we find peace in the midst of ever-changing circumstances? How can we know that we have lived a life worth living? These are the big questions that we'll all tackle in one way or another over the course of our lifetime. And all of our readings this morning touch on this in one way or another. Christ, for example, gives us concrete examples of the kinds of people that flourish in the kingdom of God. He tells his disciples that the ones who will find peace in the kingdom are those who are poor, those who are hungry, those who weep, and those who are hated on account of their faith. And now in giving these Beatitudes, Jesus does not mean to give a list of rules. Right? He's not telling his disciples that they need to go out and become poor, that they need to go make themselves hungry, or they need to mourn. Rather, he's telling them that it's among such people that they will find those who are truly content in life. And Jesus, I believe, is speaking in the tradition of the wisdom of Psalm 1. The first psalm begins to lay it out for us. It begins to answer some of these big questions for us, like, what does it look like to flourish in this world? And you'll notice that I've been using this word flourish over and over. 
Well, it seems to me that this is the best way to capture what the scriptures are saying when they say, happy are they, or blessed are they. In fact, if you look closely at Psalm 1, verse 1, it says, happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked. But if you grew up in traditional language Bibles, like the King James or the Revised Standard, or even the NIV, it'll translate that as blessed is the one. There's a change in more modern translations to say happy rather than blessed. And so happy, I think, is actually the better translation. So in Hebrew, there are two common words that get translated as blessed. The first is the word baruch, which seems more to mean that God is giving his word actively to someone in order to benefit them in a special way, such as giving them peace or fertility or favorable conditions to be successful. It's in this sense of the word that a minister in a service says, the Lord bless you and keep you. It's the idea that God is actively looking, looking upon you and he's engaging you favorably. The other word we have in Hebrew is the word ashrei. And this word speaks more to the true happy state of living a life that is close to God's will. This is more about a state of contentment that comes from being close to God. And so it's not so much a specific event, the Lord has blessed you, as much as it is the general blessing of living well in the light of God's truth. Well, Psalm 1 begins with this latter word, ashrei. It begins speaking about contentment, living a peaceful and happy life. That's why it gets translated as happy. And not so much happy as a fleeting emotional state, but this idea of happy as flourishing in this life, doing well in this life. And what does this good life look like? What does it look like to flourish? What Psalm 1 tells us, as do the Beatitudes that Christ gives us, is to flourish in this lifetime is to be embraced by the Lord and not to seek status in this world. Ultimately, human flourishing is about our relationship to God. Humans flourish because of that relationship. Or we should think that the content and peaceful life is a result of God's embrace of us. Not simply our obedience and doing good things or making a successful life for ourselves. We have a tendency to think, well, if I go to church, if I pray, if I read my Bible, if I'm nice to people, if I'm a good, active citizen then God will make me a happy and content person. But that's the wrong order of things. Rather, it's the contentment that flows out of our relationship from God. Going to church, praying, reading the Bible, being kind to people and so on is a result of the peace we already have with God. Psalm 1 says in verse 3 that those who are happy in this life, that is those who are ashray, those who are flourishing, are like trees planted by streams of water. Such a tree is strong, its leaves never wither, it bears fruit in due season. But why is the tree so healthy and strong? Because of where it's planted. It's not that the tree is a special breed that's just naturally healthy and strong and hardy. It's not that one tree will try harder than another to succeed. No, the same tree planted in the desert will wither and die. The tree is planted by the stream, which sustains it through all different seasons. It's where the tree is planted that makes all the difference. In the same way, when we're connected to God, we can thrive in all seasons. 
We will bear the fruit of good works, like prayer, like coming to church, being generous to one another. And these things, when they are done faithfully and joyfully, are done precisely because we're planted firmly in the streams of God's grace. He is near us, and so our hearts overflow. This becomes an important distinction for us. Right? We do not make the good life for ourselves. Rather, we receive the good life from God. Right? There's no 12-step process that's going to give you the good life. There's no self-help book that's going to teach you how to flourish in this life. Our efforts will never lead to true flourishing. Rather, to flourish is the result of being connected to the source of all that's good, and that's God himself. Christ makes it clear to us, then, that true human flourishing in this lifetime does not take on the characteristics that the world sees as flourishing. Christ says to his disciples, we will find those who flourish among the poor and hungry and among those who grieve. Why? Because it's in those states that we will be most prepared to receive his promises, to rely on him rather than on ourselves, our abilities, our successes. The greatest temptation in the world can come to us when we have full bank accounts, when we have full stomachs, and we never feel lonely. Because it's in those times that temptation will always be to believe that we don't need God. There's nothing wrong with having money in your bank account. There's nothing wrong with being surrounded by many friends and family. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a surplus of food. But it's in those times when everything is going right by the world's standards that we want to be very careful about where we are planted. Are we planted in God's grace in those moments, depending on him? Or are we planted in the comforts of the world, pleased with ourselves and pleased with our efforts? A life planted in our efforts and planted in the comforts of the world has no certainty of flourishing in this life. That's the theme of the book of Job. Right? In the story of Job, Job has everything. He has family. He has money. He has friends. He has health. He has status. He has everything important in the world. And then, all of a sudden, it's gone. Right? And that can happen to any of us. At any time, our bank accounts could be wiped out. Our access to food and clean water could be restricted. We might lose our health. We might lose those closest to us. And there's no predicting any of this. There's no knowing any timing. There's no certainty for tomorrow. And if we root ourselves in these things alone, if we think these things define what it means to live well, then we might likely be blown away like dried up grass when the difficult seasons come. The only certain means we have to find peace in this life to allow ourselves to be planted next to the streams of living water. So Psalm 1 tells us to examine our lives, to make sure they are being directed in ways to remind us the true source of our contentment. We should ask ourselves, what are the things that can and will sustain us for the rest of our lives? What are the things that on our deathbed will signal to us that we have flourished in this life and that we've lived well? Psalm 1 gives us a really specific marker on which to direct our days, and that is God's word. Those who are happy in this life delight in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on God's teaching day and night. They, they, the happy, the flourishing, the blessed, 
They find themselves connected to the word of God. Because it's in the word of God that we learn most clearly and most certainly and most fully of God and his promises to us. This is where we have to plant ourselves to begin to flourish. This is the knowledge of who God is and what his promises are. We get there through reading the Bible, of course, but also coming to church and hearing the word being read and preached, receiving the word of God in the sacrament of Holy Communion. Right? We, we come in contact with the word of God in those moments. But we have to be careful because it's not simply the ritual of those things that will lead us to a happy life. Studying the Bible academically or coming to church out of a sense of guilt and duty are not the same thing as delighting in God's word day and night. Because to delight in God's word is to receive its promises. This is to trust that what God promises in the Bible is true for you. It's to trust that Christ has come to take all of your sins on the cross. To trust that Christ, having been raised from the dead, means you too will be raised from the dead. To trust that Christ has overcome the world, that he will never leave you. That's the true foundation of the one who flourishes in this lifetime. That's the true foundation of being happy in this life. It's being rooted in the very promises of God found in his word. Amen.
together let us stand and confess our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the church, the world, and for all people according to their need. Heavenly Father, your kingdom has been made manifest in the preaching and miracles of Jesus Christ. Gather together your great multitude from every nation and from, Jude from Judea's remnant, that many may know your wisdom who has come in our flesh. Lord, in your mercy. Grant, O Lord, that your people may always hold fast to the word that has been preached to them and not to believe it in vain. Lord, in your mercy. Preserve the family and all godly Christian homes. Give parents and grandparents diligence and persistence in their duties to teach the faith and word and example. Keep all children in the promise you made to them in their baptism. Let the patience, kindness, and endurance of Christian love have no end in our community. Lord, in your mercy. God, do not let our rewards and blessings consist in the treasures and goods of this world. Give us joy in every sorrow, knowing that if we have you, we lack nothing and will receive an eternal, an eternal reward in Christ that cannot fail. Lord, in your mercy. Be near to those who are troubled by any unclean spirit, memory, or thought, and to the sick and to all who need your healing, especially Bob, Steve, Mike, June, Chuck, Nancy, Marcy, Donald, Greg, Alan, Ray, Marilyn, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Monica, Jane, and Steve. Send forth your power in the name of Christ Jesus that they would hear your word, that they would be cured and comforted by your promises. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, your son is risen from the dead and has promised that he will only be the first fruits from among those who sleep. Preserve us in Christ Jesus with hope beyond this life. Comfort those who mourn with the certainty of Christ's resurrection and let us live in confident expectation. Lord, in your mercy. We entrust all these petitions to your care, loving Father, confident in your great mercy for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who is worshiped together with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen.
peace. Serve the Lord.